1: Hello again Broncos country and thank you for tuning in and downloading the Orange Weekly pregame podcast as always I'm Jared and I'm joined by Matt and we have another exciting episode for you as I'm recording this we are learning about the injury of the Achilles to Emmanuel Sanders he will be done for the rest of the season and that makes a huge blow to our Denver Broncos but you know what? We already have a better record than we did last year, and we're going to beat our record after that Super Bowl year. We're going for at least nine wins this year, so we still have it in the bag as long as you guys keep faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as Matt and I break down not just this game, but the future for the Denver Broncos and how we feel about things going on around the league. So enjoy, guys. the way atlanta falcons have the lowest uh rushing yards per game or lowest atlanta rushing falcons yards all in general our garbage man No, this year i'm glad i have that really on good time I'm glad i have that on uh, record
0: they're not doing so well i'm still a fan i still believe but this year is yeah it's over i think i'm sorry we're gonna have to quit this year just because it's yeah it's what it is okay. anyways right. welcome back broncos fans <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right Welcome back Broncos fans, welcome back Broncos country after another big win, another needed win against a beat up Cincinnati team and honestly a game that was in my mind much closer than it probably should have been. We are coming back, still undefeated after the bye and I'm going to be Rain Man if we go undefeated after the bye, just saying. Uh, But as always, (laughs) I'm joined by my co-host Matt. Matt, thanks for joining us again. How's everything going over there?
0: Uh, Just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Uh, Other than the whole Falcons discourse, I think things are going great. Three wins in a row for the Broncos. This is massive. It's very exciting. And they, they've got very promising games ahead, too. So we're looking at a potential playoff spot right now.
1: Right. And who would have thought that going into that bye that we would be pushing for the playoffs at 6-6 six and six right now? It's.
0: I didn't think so. Yeah. I'll be
1: honest. Yeah. And there was a lot of people. A lot of people were doubting how how we were playing, you know, firing everybody, wanting to fire everything. We still talk about the, the option of, of Vance Josephine being here no matter what happens at the end of the season. But uh, we'll get into that today. We are here to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the game that Denver is flying back to California to play. I am excited to talk about this because uh, San Francisco is another very beat up team, very similar to that Cincinnati Bengals team we just played, are they not?
0: Yeah, you know what? I think there are um, a few games ahead of the Bengals in terms of um, they've been playing with their backups for a long time now, and I think they've you know they've had some bright moments, they've had some... Less bright moments, we'll say, like losing to the Seahawks 43-16 is um, pretty low. But, uh, you know, they beat the Raiders 34-3, uh, which, I mean, yes, it's the Raiders, but so, nonetheless, so, so. like, it's still a good win. Um, they, You know, they lost to the Packers 33-30. You know, they've had some tight games this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think the 49ers aren't going to be a, a big challenge for the Broncos, but I still think that they're a, a promising young team with some – you know Some bright spots, some good talent, but I just don't think that they uh, they have the caliber right now to, to match up against the Broncos, especially at 6-6 six and six off a three-game winning streak with that momentum. I think it's going to be really hard for the 49ers to uh, to match up with that energy, even if they're at home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's remember that the San Francisco 49ers are 2-10. and 10. They've had a tough season and uh, very similar to the Oakland Raiders. However, the Oakland Raiders were uh, self-destructive and San Francisco was more of just destructive. They've had a lot of injuries that they didn't know about. And, you know, obviously going in there off their uh, third quarterback of the season. And he and he's playing okay. He's playing decent enough, but there's a reason he's a third a third string quarterback.
0: Yeah, definitely. But he's he's promising, man. Like I think um this year's a good resume builder for him. Oh, and for sure. since Garoppolo's coming back in the offseason, uh, you know, I think he's gonna have, you know, I think 49ers have, at least have some trade capital there with either Bethard or Mullins, and I think that uh, they'll be able to get something for him, because he's, he's a promising young quarterback. He's, yeah. he's making some pretty cool throws for being a third stringer. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, I think he's he is where he should be on the depth chart for right now. He could be a lot better. Uh, but the 49ers, it's more of a whole team situation. We can't really uh, blame Nick Mullins for uh, for the woes of the 49ers.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's frustrating, too, because, I mean, I'm just looking at this depth chart going, getting ready, sorry, the injury chart getting ready for this game, and uh, two of the top two wide receivers, Pierre Garçon and Marcus Goodwin, are all quest- both questionable uh, mm-hmm. as of as of the fourth of December. And uh, I mean, they've they've just had injuries left and white. Dakota Watson, their number one linebacker, is on the IR. Yep, their center's been
0: hurt. Joe Staley's hurt. It's overall, this team is just uh, it's struggling, and it sucks because they were so. Um, I don't know. I had high hopes for them this off season, especially with yeah. J- Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought they'd be an eight and eight team. No build on something for next year really have their coming out party but you know that can still happen but right now uh you're right it's it's not a good situation Matt Breed is out Eric Armstead uh, it's, it's a lot of players that are hurt right now
1: yeah well coming I mean, last year I agree with you last year they came off of uh, a six game win streak at the end of the season I want to say well as soon as they got Garoppolo, five games yeah five games yeah. and Garoppolo games. was five and oh as a starter coming in this season there was a lot mm-hmm. of interest in in watching them and there was a lot of hope for them but it just it just never really clicked for them, and obviously the injuries can can be pointed as almost the single point of failure in the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of um, a limited roster as well. Like their depth chart. I mean, we we mentioned it quickly, but their lead players. Uh, you know, Matt Breida is the lead runner. He's been on and off with the injuries, but who's Matt Breida? You know, right. he, he's not a known person in the NFL. Alfred Morris had some good years with Washington. Uh, right now, he's a backup. Raheem Mostert. You know, most, I don't, I don't even know how to say his name, but, you know, there's a lot of players here that we, they're not known names, they're not these big superstars. And, you know, the lead the lead receiver for the 49ers, George Kittle, he's a, a tight end, he's a bit of an undersized tight end who's just getting better and better. So San Francisco is just a team that has a lot of young potential, but they're, you know, they just quite haven't manifested it yet. You know, there's still some experience to be gained. Um, and we forget Jack McKinnon was supposed to be the lead running back and he was hurt in the off season. You know they did everything they could to keep him on the bench and the first game they put him out he tears his ACL I think. So it's or it's Achilles perhaps. I I'm not sure but you know there there's a lot of young players here that just haven't fully developed and I think that's one of the main reasons why they're at 2 and 10 um on top of all the energy, in, injuries. If they if it was a fully healthy roster, you know I'm thinking like 8-8, eight eight, 9 and 7 type of team um but to be you know 2 and 10 right now it's uh you know, nobody wants to be there. Uh, John Lynch doesn't want to be there. Kyle Shanahan definitely doesn't want to be there. So it's yeah. you know it's it kind of sucks, but uh, something's going to have to change eventually if, if the record doesn't change. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and this is this is interesting too. And we talked about it when we talked about the Rams game too, um, as well as the uh, the the Chargers game. Is the coaching carousel that happened that year with um, all the coaches kind of getting getting shuffled around, obviously we picked up Vance Joseph and um, Kyle Shanahan ended up going to San Francisco. And I know in the off season of that year, they were really talking about Kyle Shanahan, wanting, wanting to get Kyle Shanahan to the Broncos. And I know I was a huge proponent of it because I really want an mm-hmm. offensive minded coach in Denver. We haven't had it in a while. Obviously Kubiak was offensive minded, but you know, he definitely had that head coach mentality. So I was really hoping to get Kyle Shanahan and, and seeing how yeah. Uh, frustrating of a season he's having is, is never good to see, but it's also kind of puts things in perspective like, oh, maybe, maybe that wasn't the right choice. Maybe we did make the right choice in Vance Joseph, but that's all to be seen still.
0: That's a really good point because, I mean, Kyle Shanahan came as the OC for the Falcons, and he was an outstanding OC. Like, that offense was, you know, on fire all year. Um, you know, the, the Super Bowl is what it is. You know, I think he made a bad call towards the end of the game, and I don't know if he's ever really recovered from that sort of misguided call to, to, to call a pass instead of a run to get sacked to lose your field goal to basically lose the game so I feel, I feel like you have a lot of but,
1: tension when talking about this situation me, me
0: you know me and Kyle we have a very special relationship I love the guy <laughs> but there's you know it's like sometimes there's just something that you just can't get over yeah. and it is it is what it is but I've just you know I, I, I think he's a great offensive mind I think he's an outstanding offensive coordinator but I just really don't see him as a head coach Yep. And, you know, his time in, in San Francisco right now, like, it's very promising. I still just don't see him as a head coach. I don't get the charisma and the personality. I don't see the sort of drive to, to lead the entire team. I think he's a great offensive mind, and I think he could thrive in this league as an offensive coordinator. You know, it, it seems to be, um, like, not – if you're a coordinator, it seems as though it's not as good as being a head coach. You know, and it, it can be just as good. Look at a guy like Wade Phillips. He was a head coach for a while, but as a defensive coordinator, that's what everybody loves loves him as. Romeo Cornell is the same way. Uh, Kyle Shanahan could be that same guy, you know, it, You don't have to be a head coach to be successful or or to be, you know, popular in this league. And I think Shanahan is a little bit reaching in in terms of his uh, employment. And, you know, I I hope he he gets better at it and I hope the team gets better. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him as an offensive coordinator in a few years from now Um, and just thrive, you know, and and lead another team to a Super Bowl because he has that potential.
1: Yeah, and and this year's Atlanta Falcons are very, very much a proof of of how much of an offensive mind, how great of an offensive mind oh, he has. Because just going from one extreme to another, basically oh, going down it's to
0: unreal. like Steve Sarkisian, I just I don't know it, <laughs> the, the hangover for Kyle Shanahan is real in this team. Yeah. Steve Sarkisian is just not a guy that I really see as lasting in this league. You know, I don't know how it's how it's going to go well over this offseason, just given how this offense, you know. It's a pretty healthy unit. They lost Devontae Freeman. Tevin Coleman is supposed to be a really good running back. Julio Jones only found the end zone three times this year. He's a great, uh, he's a great receiver in terms of yardage, but the end zone has been rough on him since Kyle Shanahan left, right? So Kyle Shanahan this guy with a lot of potential that if he has the right tools, he can make anything happen. Um, and for him, it really starts with the running game. And I think what he's just lacking in, in San Francisco is the sort of depth and the quality of player that he had in Atlanta. And I think he's underestimating a bit the the necessity for quality players to run the sort of systems he wants to run because the passing game for him is pretty basic. It you know it's a lot of movement, some misdirection. I see it's basic. I mean it, it sounds complicated, but for him to come in on this team where you know it's hard for him to kind of run the ball with Matt Breida and and some of these other guys. You know when he comes from having Devonte Freeman, Tevin Coleman, who are you know can be two Pro Bowl running backs. You know it's it's tough, and I think he's seeing the woes and. I don't know, you know, I just don't know if I see him as a head coach for very long, just just based on a gut feeling. I'm not an expert, I don't know the guy, right. um, but it's, you know, that's what I see, that's what I think. You know, with that being said, he's a great offensive mind, and, and the 49ers are still a team to pay attention to. The Broncos, yeah. I mean, you know, they've been having great games, but... After the injury to Chris Harris, would you know, it really sucks. That it, that's a, a terrible loss, and it you know, and especially for him, like he he must be devastated to 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 get to the team, the six and six, and all of a sudden get hurt. Like, I can't imagine what this guy's going through. Um, but this isn't necessarily the same defense anymore. Cal Shanahan recognizes that, and he's going to exploit the the DBs this game. He's going to do a lot of stuff to make this DSB, these smaller DBs uncomfortable. Um, you know, he doesn't have great receiving weapons, but still, he he's going to do his best to. Uh, To take advantage of this loss.
1: Right, and and as he should. And you Mm -hmm. know, he he's definitely a great offensive mind. He's gonna be looking at that for sure. I mean, we have young guys. That are going to be playing. I mean, Bradley Roby is going to be our number one, our number one corner, and I just saying that makes me shiver. Like I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't physically say like, "Oh, our number one corner is, is Bradley Roby." And then obviously yeah. on the other side, we'll probably have uh, the rookie and Isaac Yadam, who's hasn't having a terrible season. However, you know, he, he still has uh, some rookie mistakes that he makes out there, and he's he's not playing the greatest. So uh, obviously, with yeah. Tremaine Brock, hopefully, Tremaine Brock can come back to give us a little bit of depth, but. Man, it's been tough in that corner field and that that DB field for us just all season. And, and this just makes it 10 times worse. And going back on something that me and you talk about on this podcast all the time is that leadership. Chris Harris was the vocal leader on this mm-hmm. defense. Who is going to step up and be that guy? Obviously, he's going to be on the sideline cheering on his team and trying to get him pumped up. But we need, we need uh, him to, to get healthy and get back. I mean, we talked about... The injuries for for san francisco i'm just going through our depth chart now and it's it's looking worse and worse as well like i mean just after yeah. last seat last uh i mean we lost you know jeff hireman we lost three of our four starting offensive linemen max garcia ronald leary and matt paradis Derek wolf is now questionable we don't know when he's coming back shaq barrett's out but josie Jewell got injured in that last game he's also questionable I'm, I'm not sure fully what's going on with him but this is a game that we can't be losing anymore, like like that Cincinnati mm-hmm. game we we should not have lost that much we We won a game, and I think we paid a bigger price by losing the guys that we did than that we would have gotten by winning that game, which is frustrating
0: it's it's definitely frustrating um you know it's it's weird to say, but it's almost as if the strength of the Broncos now slowly shifting towards the offense, yeah, you know, led by Philip Lindsey. you know we we wouldn't be talking about this earlier in the season, but now this rookie running back, he's becoming the new star of the show, yep. right, so it's like the Broncos are almost you know without really controlling it they're they're going through a bit of a culture change on you know automatically just given yeah. the, the strength of the players now uh, with all these injuries so
1: and on that on that yeah, point yeah. on that point it's cool cuz you know we've been talking about it all season everyone's always like you know he's, he had like 7 yards per carry for a long time and it was mm-hmm. like oh, like why are we not feeding him the rock and what was really cool yeah. to see in that Cincinnati game is is we made him the focal point of the game Everybody was afraid of him getting the ball. We got him in, in open field where he needed to be. We got him some holes that he got to break through and when well, he got two touchdowns that game, right? And one of them was a big run. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, was, like a it was uh it was really cool to see, and it's cool to see that our offense is finally picking up on the fact it's like maybe we should make this guy the focal point, and then anything we do around it is just distracting from the fact that we still have this this crazy good explosive running back in our backfield.
0: Absolutely, and then you got complimentary players like Freeman. Then in the receiving core, you got a big guy in Cortland Sutton. And it's like all of a sudden the offense is starting to take shape because they're finding an identity. That's it. You know, imagine if the um, the three offensive linemen were back: Leary, Paradis, and uh, forget the last guy's name. Sorry, but Garcia. Garcia, yeah, imagine these three guys are back you now. your offensive line is at full tilt and it was like the most improved line out of oh, the yeah. entire NFL this year. So, you know, the Broncos aren't as good as they could be because of all these injuries, right? And and they're finally finding their identity, their star player. And so they just need to keep riding this. And I think that they're going to have a good chance at uh, at using Lindsay as well against uh, the 49ers because, you know, the 49ers are a middle-of-the-pack defense. Yeah. Uh, in terms of rushing yards, per game they're about 108 which is awesome for for the running backs for Broncos right and then passing yards per game they're about at uh, 240 so that's pretty much what Keenum throws on a regular basis right so it's you know I think we're gonna I'm expecting to see a, a pretty explosive Broncos offense led by Philip Lindsay um, against this you know okay defense of the 49ers They've, they allow 28 points a game so you know two touchdowns for Lindsay uh, one touchdown for for Keenum and you know Maybe a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown in there too,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. The the one hundred and eight yards per game led up on the on the I mean, that's not terrible, but at the same time they they really haven't been playing the huge run teams that they that um that we have. They haven't been playing yeah. those big run offenses like we have and that's something that we could definitely change. And if we keep to that same game plan that we had against Cincinnati, I don't see this game going any different than that Cincinnati game did. You know yeah. you know they have it they have a good team they still have a good offensive minded coach they're gonna score it's gonna happen you mentioned it and and I think that's something that we've been mentioning since day one on this podcast is that that the, the Denver Broncos could not find their identity. They couldn't find it on yeah. defense. You know, the, the linebackers weren't talking to the corners. Uh, we couldn't find it on offense. You know, guys were dropping balls. The ball was coming in late. We, he was getting sacked a lot. He had more interceptions than touchdowns. He had an interception through the first, like, eight games, and he held the record for, like, three, yeah. three games in a row for having an interception every game. But now it's different it's crazy it's good it's like we have a completely different team even with you like you said with all the injuries if those guys were back and gelling with the rest of the team like that i mean no no yeah. question we would be a you know much much better team and i guess it gives us hope for the future and for next year but man it's uh it's fun to watch now it's definitely fun to watch
0: yeah and you know what's even more fun for elway too i mean philip Lindsay's an undrafted free agent right oh yeah Yep. Yeah, he's very very cheap for the Broncos. Oh yeah, right now. So that means if they can write, I don't know how long his contract is, but if they can write his contract for a couple of years, okay, and then get some other pieces in there, next year Broncos are looking like a championship team given right. this this great running back right now.
1: Yeah, normally they give those undrafted rookies the uh the three-year rookie contract. I think it's minimum. Um yeah. and, and, you know, I I was reading something earlier. He still lives at at home. Like right. he's still he's still living with his parents nice. there in Denver. I think that's he the, better the paid their mortgage. humble thing. Oh yeah, he's paying. He's probably, well,
0: he, <laughs> his minimum salary in the NFL is still like $450,000 oh, yeah. a year. Okay. If I'm making that kind of money, like, that, you know, he better be paying that, uh, <laughs> that mortgage, but that's awesome. I mean, you know, here's, here's a good, you know, family guy. He's, oh, yeah. he's, he's athletic. He's killing it. Those last three weeks, 79 yards, 110 yards. 157 yards his average isn't say six yards per carry this year that's unreal right. right you run him twice you get a first down that is such an asset well and it's so, and, and i mean and like
1: for the people that yeah. say that uh playing playing for the team that you want to play for doesn't doesn't affect anything they're wrong you know, I, I yeah. think the fact that he's playing for his his the team that he's been cheering for since he grew oh, up, yeah. he tried real hard to make this team. And I'm not sure if you saw the Deion Sanders interview with him. Uh, so, you know, Deion Sanders calls the,
0: yeah.
1: uh, was it, you ball out, you get the call, or something like that. You ball, you get the yeah, call, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. obviously, Philip Lindsay had a huge day. Deion Sanders gave him the call, and he was on that call talking about how he didn't even think he was going to make the, the squad. Like yeah. he said, he said at this, during the yeah. second preseason game, he was like, I'm just a third running back in this room of, I mean, you guys got very talented running backs and Devontae Booker yeah. and Royce Freeman and Royce Freeman is still playing very well. Just, yeah. you know, he's yeah. taken a shadow to what Philip Lindsay has been able to accomplish. And he said, yeah, he said he didn't even think he was going to make the team. And it wasn't until obviously they told him that they weren't even going to play him in the third preseason or the fourth preseason game that he was like, oh. So like I'm done. Like what? Like, <laughs> yeah, do I need to go back home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I have far far to travel, but yeah. And then they yeah. told him, yeah, no, we're we're saving you because we we've already decided you're going to be on the team. And it's just it's been exponentially, you know, just been great since then. And oh, I, yeah. I hope he stays healthy, and I hope he he continues to do what he he is doing because he's bringing a lot of hope and and uh, cheer into a lot of Broncos Broncos fans. That's for sure.
0: He's he's leading the youth movement. In Broncos, you know, with Corton Sutton, Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay, Like, these guys are r- running this youth movement. So it's nice that there's finally a face of the franchise and something yeah. you can just hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. With all else fails, let's get the ball in his hands and then watch him do what he's got to do. So that's really cool. And I think that, you know, the 49ers is going to be another big game for him, and it's uh, it's only going to go up from here.
1: Yeah, and and on the defensive side, you have Isaac Yadam's a rookie. You have Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. Both of them are playing very well. I mean, Bradley this Chubb rookie class... This rookie class, it it, it, you know, Elway's gotten a lot of trials and tribulations talking about coaching staffs and the things that he's gone through. But and last last year's rookie class, I think we kept one, maybe two people off of that whole entire mm-hmm. rookie class. Um, but this year, he hit the jackpot.
0: Yeah, and I, I could say this really is did. probably
1: this is probably the best rookie class, including an undrafted free agent who's looking to win rookie of the year. Yeah, uh, that's it's it's unreal, it's incredible, and it's something that's uh, really exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So so with all that said, we have our offenses our defenses. Let's talk about the uh, the defense for the for the, for the 49ers. Yeah, we haven't really said idea. anything about the defense for the 49ers.
0: Well, the defense for the 49ers is uh interestingly a pretty interestingly a pretty good roster. Solomon Thomas first round pick. I think DeForest yep. Buckner was also a first round pick if I remember correctly um he might know i think he was this guy's six foot seven yeah, 300 pounds okay in 2016
1: lead. first round pick yeah number seven so he got two
0: first yeah he, you know he's a top 10 pick solomon thomas top 10 pick eric armstead i think he was a first round pick as well um so his defensive line is massive they've got two guys at six seven solomon thomas is uh athletic freak Um, so it's you know there's just really good talent on this defensive line unfortunately the farther back you go the sort of more uninspiring it gets um you know the linebacking core uh you know fred warner mark zika and malcolm smith malcolm smith being a part of the seattle seahawks crew that uh, won a super bowl um but fred warner and mark zicha and zika i'm not sure how to say that but he's uh no, you know, not big names in the DBs. I mean, other than Richard Sherman, who's getting on with age, um, you know, this defense is not, you know, it's not very uh, inspiring, and it's not really making waves in the NFL. It's very middle of the pack. So yeah. being middle of the pack is good. You're competing, shows you're, you're able to, to be in games. But, you know, they're 2-10, and, and and 2-10 and ten doesn't have to always do about a bad offense. You know, sometimes a mediocre, mediocre offense can come through and win games with a good defense. Look at the Baltimore Ravens, right? So it's, you know, the, the 49ers, after you get past that D-line, it's uh, shit, a little shaky.
1: Yeah, and so I was looking at, we, we talk about this D-line and Solomon Thomas. I'd say Solomon Thomas is probably the, for me, the most disappointing. Um, I, don't, I don't want to call him a disappointing player. He, just the most dis- disappointing production from a, a player with such... Uh, an athletic ability and and what he can do he only has a total of 18 18 tackles mm. um he has three assisted tackles and he has one sack and he only has uh two stuffs for the run two run stuffs in the in all season and we're how many games in now 12. 12 games in and he only has two stuffing two stuffs one sack and 18 tackles it just doesn't seem like he's yeah. living up to what he could be because i mean i you know watching him at stanford he was he just lit it up just insane yeah and, i mean there's a reason he was third overall into the 2017 draft so you know it's 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 frustrating to see someone like that go down or not go down but just not not play up to the ability that they were hoping for but you know there's always yeah. that chance there's always that chance that he he clicks and gets it on so i think that's part of the whole woes of the san francisco 49ers they have all these big names they have all these talent they just aren't gelling together as a team the way that you know we just talked about the denver broncos doing finally um they're just not gelling together as a team i don't know if there's communication errors or if there's some sort of like you know maybe there's something going on in the locker room that we're not seeing that you know
0: yeah i think it has to do with just the injuries man and i mean look what happened with uh Ruben Foster. I mean we'll know let's not get into that. We don't do politics here, but losing Ruben Foster from your squad, like he's a good football player. He's a good linebacker. He's a yeah. run stuffer. He's aggressive. Yeah, of course he's aggressive. And he's uh you know, he, he does a lot of good things on the field. Um and, and to lose that, you know, you're kind of losing an edge on defense, right? And then, you know, you're on offense, you know, your franchise quarterbacks, and he's not playing right now. And you know, it's the whole team is kind of you know, you've got nothing to hide behind anymore. So how do you come out and play your best? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And and knowing that those guys you've been playing with all year, they're all, everybody around you is going down and you got your top guys going down. It's just, it's very difficult to, to go forward on that. I can definitely, Mm. definitely get that, but all right. So with all that being said, let's talk about what you think your prediction for this game is. We already talked about, we think it's going to be very similar to that Cincinnati game. What's your prediction for this game going forward, and what do you think the score is going to be?
0: I think the score is going to be twenty-three to uh, twenty-one for the Broncos. Um, so close game. I think game. that, I, yep, yeah, I think it's going to be a closer game than we expect. Um, just again, given the injury to Chris Harris, I think it's going to be. Um, it's going to make the defense a little bit uh, suspect for you know a few plays. I think that you know Dennis Pitta, the young receiver for the Forty ers he's coming along. I think he might get one or two deep balls, or you know. There's gonna be a couple of big plays, and I think the 49ers are gonna keep up, but I think the Broncos just outpaced them, and they uh, they managed to win the game off the back of Philip
1: Lindsay. All right, I do like that that you're finally picking the Broncos to win. I mean, I guess you picked them last <laughs> week, so I can't be too mad. Um, I did. Well,
0: listen, I I only pick when I know they're
1: gonna win. Oh, okay, right? that's it. Yeah, that's you got you got to play I'm the smart about my picks. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I got
0: I'm only picking the things I know I'm gonna win.
1: Go. Gotcha. Um, I I do like that. I I don't think it's going to be a close game. I don't. I think it's going to be very similar mm-hmm. to the Cincinnati game where they might look like they might try to come back, but in all honesty, we had the game completely controlled from the beginning. I think the total score is going to be uh, twenty-seven to thirteen. I just don't. I don't see them putting up a lot of points. I know we're, we're suspect in the in the corners, but there you have zero wide receiver names out there. <laughs> you know, unless for yeah, whatever true. reason Pierre Gaston can come back, they have no wide receivers, they're on their third string quarterback, and if they put up more than three touchdowns on us over the air, I'm going to be super mad, and uh, <laughs> we're really going to have to start looking towards uh, getting a couple corners in these drafts, because it's it's getting unreal. 13 points, probably quite a few field goals, and you know, the defense is going to step up and get a few turnovers, and uh, something that we talked about a little bit uh, in, in the last couple episodes too is... Is the turnover game? When we win the turnover game, we win the game. Like, yeah. it's plain and simple. When we learn, win the turnovers, we win the game. Last Absolutely. last three four games, last games that we've won, uh, he's turned over the ball. Do um, we know? We haven't thrown a single interception, but yeah. in the last two games, we've gotten probably what, two to three turnovers each game. And it's been, it's been huge. And our defense is stepping up and getting those turnovers and getting those big plays when it matters, especially against Pittsburgh. Those were definitely yeah. big turnovers when it needed it to wins. happen. Yeah, and that's what yeah. won the game for sure.
0: Yeah. Now here's what I think, something we haven't talked about yet, but I think of the 49ers, um, they haven't been an advantage against the Broncos' defense in that they have Joe Staley and the rookie Mike McGlinchey. And these two tackles are very, very good. And I don't think Von Miller and Bradley Chubb have faced um, such a good tackle tandem this entire year. Right, Bengals offensive line very shaky. Steelers offensive line pretty good. Villanueva is an excellent life tackle. I think uh, Foster's on the right side; he's really good too. But Chargers, you know, shaky on that side too. Texans offensive line, you know, their their movement offense for a reason. Cardinals, Chiefs, you know, like the Rams get offensive line too. But we go through the list and I just don't think that uh, yeah, Miller and have face such a, a good tandem there. So I think that's going to be an advantage too. I think that the 49ers are able to get a lot of movement on the ball, you know, with, with the limited resources we have because of the protection they can afford Mullins.
1: Yeah, and I think we- that's going
0: to come in into, into play in this game.
1: Yeah, what I've noticed a lot lately, too, is some of these sacks, especially the ones that Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are getting, aren't coming off as typical coming off the edge. Uh, mm. and coming, it's, it's these stunts where they send you yeah. know Derek Wolf to the outside and, um, and Von Miller swings inside. in back to the A-gap yeah. and, and comes up the middle. Because, I mean, what's scarier than Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming up to you full speed up the middle of the field? Um, JJ, if anything, it's, Dave, and Carly do that. Okay, okay, well, fine. Yeah. <laughs> say, well, you asked me what's scarier. Yeah. Well, either way, though, I mean, you, you have these big guys coming at you. What are you going to do? You're either going to hit the deck or you're going to get rid of that oh, ball. You have fetal position on the ground. Yeah, fetal position, yeah. Crying. Oh, yeah. crying oh, works sometimes. Probably, ask ask yeah. Philip Rivers. He's done it. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I think that's that's what's been working for us, and it's something that we aren't used to, and but it's, it's starting to come into light. And I think it's because they are so scared, especially the tackles, um, are so scared about them coming around the outsides that uh, – that they're they're taking that initial step back which is kind of flushing their guy in and they they can't chase or they can't pass off and it's uh it's kind of game game over from yeah. there so it's definitely a skill set that that they use and they have and that, that joe woods has put in to be able to help our defense out and it's been working
0: oh definitely and i think it's uh i think it's going to keep working you know i i think the broncos do win but i think that the, the offensive line is going to give a chance to the
1: broncos for sure gotcha I agree, and of course you would bring up the offensive line. I don't know why. I'd expect I expected any different. N- nobody else does. You know, I listen
0: to these other podcasts too, and nobody talks about the lineman other than the Tomahawk Show. Those guys, of course, it's Joe Thomas. You know, right? Yeah. I listen to other ones, and it's you know, it, it's just nothing. There's no mention. So I've got to got to give a bit of a shout out here. Give some love
1: to the big boys. That's all right. That's all right. I think uh, Andrew Hawkins is on my side of this. or sometimes it just gets Probably. it gets old. Probably. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take it to the rest of the Orange Weekly staff. If you guys aren't watching us on the Facebook shows, uh, please do. We have, we're have we on Twitter, the Facebook shows. We're on Get Vocal. Uh, make sure you guys are checking us out. These next guys you're hearing are the stars of those shows. So I'm going to let them take it away. Go ahead, guys.
0: Hey, what's going on? It's the Mad Dad Big Ray from your Tuesday night Beers, Broncos, and No BS show and your halftime hash host. I'm going to make a bold prediction this week, and I'm going to predict that the Broncos get their monkey off their back, and they're going to score over 30 points for the second time this year. The score is going to be 35-28 in a little bit closer game than we'd like. Broncos maintain their win streak, bring it up to four games, scoring 35 points, 35-28. Broncos win.
1: Hey guys, Kev Dan here, and man, three-game win streak, that's phenomenal. Uh, However, we do got a lot of work to do moving forward for the rest of the season. Look, bottom line, I think the 49ers are going to be able to score a lot of points. That means we need Case Keenan to be very consistent, put up a lot of points on the board as well. My score prediction is Broncos 31 49ers 24 and we're gonna have to do that to be able to win but i think it's a winnable game on the road and uh hopefully we can be talking about a four game win streak here in a couple days thanks guys take care and go broncos what
0: is up, Broncos country? This is David from the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show. We're riding into San Francisco this week on a three-game win streak, feeling hot, um, but another game that we can't overlook, another team that certainly isn't going to roll over and die for us. Um, so we're going to have to play them hard, we're going to have to show them what it means to be a consistent football team week in and week out, and really show ourselves that we can do that too. I think we can, and I think we should win this game 27-17. to 17.
1: As always, go Broncos! What's going on, Broncos country? This is Tanner Lee, host of the Orange Weekly post-game podcast. The Broncos coming off another big win over the Bengals, 24-10, riding a three-game winning streak. I think they keep it going in the Bay Area this week at San Francisco against Kyle Shanahan, the coach I originally wanted the Broncos to hire over Vance Joseph. And I think the Broncos get it done by a score of 30-13. to Go Broncos. All right. Thank you to the Orange Weekly staff. We really appreciate Every single time you guys give us those, a lot of times you'll see me and Matt on their shows as well. So make sure you guys are going on and following that Facebook page, um, as well as I mean, we don't have advertisements, so I'm going to go ahead and do some self-advertisement here while we got some time. <laughs> uh, make sure you guys are telling your friends about the Orange Weekly Podcast and uh, getting the word out. The easiest way for us to to not talk to ourselves every single week is to is you guys, you the listeners, letting your friends know and letting them know that um, you know. You know this cool podcast with a couple of guys who make you laugh every once in a while. Um, so make sure you guys are telling your friends. Make sure you guys are telling your families. And, and make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe, uh, download button, and uh, rating us on whatever platform you guys are using at the time. All right. With that being said, we're bringing you guys a brand new segment that I'm super excited to bring in. and and we're going to call it does that change your mind so basically in this segment what we're going to do is me and matt are going to ask each other questions that we have not talked about beforehand on something that has happened in the league on something that we had mentioned earlier in the year on the podcast and something has happened and we're going to ask them if they changed their mind so i'll go ahead and start this off for you matt if you don't mind let's go all right so the new orleans saints are super bowl contenders Everybody yeah. knows that. However, after they lose to the Dallas Cowboys, does that ch- change your mind about the New Orleans Saints?
0: Not at all. Not even one bit. Um, I think, like, first of all, the New Orleans Saints came off two straight Thursday night games, and I think that messes with anybody's schedule. So, to me, it just seemed as though they were, I don't know, like, they're just out of whack. Like, the New Orleans Saints to come out and put up such little points is just, um, it's un- its uncharacteristic, and I don't think it's going to be a, it's not something that's going to happen every week. I think they've got that extra break to get back on schedule, and I think the Saints just come flying too because, you know, here's a team that has Drew Brees on it that's hungry for a Super Bowl, that's won a Super Bowl. They've got Sean Payton who does not accept any sort of mediocrity either. So I think the Saints are just going to bounce right back. They're playing the Bucks next week, and then the Panthers who are imploding. Like the Panthers are right. getting worse and worse every week. The Steelers have lost two straight games, and then the Panthers again. I see that four wins. I see they explode the Buccaneers just as a statement to show the league that they're okay. And, uh, and yeah, I've got no doubt that the Saints are, are going to be the Super Bowl favorites. Um, they still are my Super Bowl favorites, and, yeah, that doesn't change my mind. All right. Too bad, Jerry Jones. Too bad. <laughs> All right, cool. My turn? Okay, yeah. This, this, is, this is about the league, yes, but it's also it, – it has to do with the Broncos.
1: I just have to ask,
0: okay? Okay. Um, so the Broncos win three in a row. Does that change your mind about Joseph?
1: I knew. How did I know you were going to ask this question? You know what? This is something that gets brought up every single week and every single time we do well. And we talked about it on this podcast too about how we think that the offense is going. And it does not change my mind about Joseph being gone at the end of the season. It changes my mind about Joseph being a head coach in this league. And we've talked about we think that he's going to be a good head coach in this league. I Mm -hmm. think he's finally starting to find his footing. And no. I think that he's going to do very well somewhere else. I don't think he can come back from the, for the two seasons that we've had in the last two years. And obviously going forward, if we win the Super Bowl this year, there's going to be some other questions. You can ask me again in three weeks when we're getting ready <laughs> for the playoffs. But right now, it does not change my mind, no.
0: Okay. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a follow-up question, right? Okay. Same thing. Mike McCarthy's available. Does that change your mind about Joseph then? You know what I mean? Do, do you think that Mike McCarthy is the guy that Elway should pursue? You know, say, say, say Joseph wins the, out the year, right. okay? Does that completely erase all the misery that's happened the year and a half before? Or does Elway still see an opportunity to get a seasoned head coach that can come into the Broncos take the reins on this offense, get a young quarterback behind Keenum for a year, yeah. and then, you know what I mean, just get rolling, right? It's kind of like Andy Reid did when he left the Eagles. Andy Reid was there for so long, and then he gets fired because he just had a bad year, comes in with the Chiefs, and just, you know, he takes Starts Alex Smith, them. gets a young guy in behind him, and then, you know, we got the, the Chiefs of today. So do you think Elway takes a shot on McCarthy even
1: though Vince Joseph is winning? So here, here's my thought process is there's a lot of coaches and there's a lot of coaches that are going to be in this year's coaching carousel. And we've seen yeah. it in the past where there's just a lot of very good seasoned coaches, head coaches in the league that just happen to be without teams. That also brings up there's also a lot of teams out there in needs of coaches. So yeah. sometimes we might might decide. So let's say, you know, worst case scenario, every coach that's on the hot seat gets fired, right? We're, we're without Uh, Pete Carroll in Seattle, he's gone. Uh, Harbaugh in Baltimore, he's gone. You know, we already know that Mike Mm. McCarthy got fired out of the Packers because of some sort of locker room dispute and, um, you know, whatever the, the front office issue was there. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. All of these guys are Super Bowl winning head coaches. I think we'd be very ignorant to not pick up one of them and to try to ride up Joseph just because he had a good half a season.
0: Cool. Perfect.
1: Yep, that's my and that's my take. But again, ask me again in, in uh you know, in 3 weeks when we're, you know, heading into the playoffs and I'm talking great things about Joseph again.
0: If, if Joseph needs to win a playoff game to secure his spot. If he, he wins, if they make it to the playoffs and he wins, I think he secures a spot. If they make it to the playoffs and lose, I think I don't know, depending on what Eloy thinks in the market, he might keep him. If they miss the playoffs, I think he's gone and you know i think uh, elway pursues one of these more veteran coaches
1: i agree all right so here's my next question for does that change yeah. your mind kansas city has a multi-talented offense they can beat you in any aspect of the offense however they now lost kareem hunt and does that make them one-dimensional so does that change your mind about the kansas city chiefs offense being a multi-talented offense
0: no, I still think they're multi-talented offense. I think the fact that you have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey is enough to have a defense focus on stopping the pass first. So, yes, losing Hunt is, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, how can I say it? it's. It hurts the offense of the Chiefs. It it sucks that he's a very productive running back. He got cut for the right reasons, and I fully agree with this. It's just the way to go. I think Spencer Ware is a good enough running back. Chen Derek West, he's coming back to the team. You know, I don't think the rushing attack is anything to be feared. However, I think that Andy Reid is smart enough to know how to use it in his favor. They're going to focus on the pass to open up the run and just hope for a few quick short gains here. Maybe some red zone stuff like... I think the Chiefs are still multidimensional, but I think they just have to acknowledge the fact that they don't have a running game anymore, and they have to really focus all their attention on the pass. So they're gonna—I think—they're gonna pass more, which is hard to say. Like they, they've been <laughs> passing all year, but I think they pass a bit more, and they just use the run sporadically to to to, to fill in the blanks, really. Okay. All right, I've got another one for you.
1: All right, shoot.
0: Okay, so I mean, I don't have you on record stating your opinion on this, so I'm just asking that <laughs> here, assuming that you, you know, you think this. But so you know, as we just talked, undrafted free agent could win Rookie of the Year in Philip Lindsay, right? He's the front runner. Right. Undrafted free agent. Does that change your mind about the importance of the draft?
1: That's a good question because I. You know what? It just changed my mind. I'll I'll say this. It changes my mind about the later picks and undrafted picks in the draft. I don't think I'm a firm believer that the first two to three rounds of a draft can make or break a team going forward, and not just for that year, obviously, but for multiple years to come. So look at us last year. The Denver Broncos had a terrible draft class, and we kept one person on the offensive line who's, you know, Garrett Bowles is playing pretty well in our our, uh, first round. However we had if we had that same production of guys that we got this year like back again right and now we have this year's draft class and all of a sudden we have two full draft classes full of great guys what it does say is i've always and and maybe i'm not the only one here but i always stop paying attention in the sixth and seventh round oh, yes, yes, yes. i just don't see it uh, you know most of the time most of the time those kids get cut most of the times those guys yeah. you know don't stick around for very long they, they they play the backup role for a few years and whatever obviously you have your your uh, anomalies like the Tom Brady's of the world and all that. But um, it does change my mind about the late round draft picks and the undrafted Mm -hmm. free agency because each year we get an undrafted. Shelby Harris was an undrafted free agent for us as well. So every year we bring in one of those undrafted free agents. And so far the Broncos are two for two in the last two years bringing in undrafted free agents and then just balling out and having great seasons for us. Uh, that's that's my take on that okay I kind of want to hear what your what your uh, yeah. um, aspect is on this
0: i I think that if we look in totality of the last like 10 years of the draft in the last like you know 10 years it's what like 256 players come out of the draft over 10 it's from 2500 players give or take then all the undrafted players say there's you know I don't know throw a number of players right. right total that come into the league in the last 10 years okay total estimate I think if you just look at everybody's production i think it's very irrelevant as to where they get picked whether it's a first round pick or an undrafted pick i think you can still get a star player so for me i think the first round is a first and second round is very important in terms of it allows you to have the best chance at getting good players but i think overall having more picks is still better than having really good picks so teams like the Patriots always trade back. The Ravens have a tendency to do that. Uh, you know, some of the, these teams have a philosophy of trading back and adding more picks. I think you have a better chance of finding quality through that quantity. Um, and, and to see Philip Lindsay as, you know, the front runner for Rookie of the Year in a draft class that has five starting quarterbacks, that has yeah. Saquon Barkley, that has really good receivers. And Philip Lindsay, the undrafted rookie running back, is in consideration for Rookie of the Year. That makes me question the entire importance of the draft process and who you scout and how you scout yep. them. So that's my take on it.
1: And he and he was breaking record. I mean, we've mentioned this a couple of times. I might sound like a broken record, but he was breaking records at CU mm-hmm. and didn't even get invited to the combine just because of his size. Yeah. I agree with you. I think I think it's it's very important that you can get talent at any level, but. Also, I, I want to look at the numbers. I'm a very analytical guy. If you look at the numbers, most of these guys that are undrafted and or late round do most likely get cut. If you looked at overall, I think everybody in the league is is maybe except for five people per team are drafted in the first five, six Absolutely. rounds, especially those ones that are that are tenured, the guys that are staying around for 10, 11 years and continuing that production. Most of the time, they're, they're top five round draft picks. And it's just the way that it goes because of that, you know, yeah, the way that the way that we're looking at players nowadays is different than they did back in the day right but i
0: mean even look at look at case keenum he was undrafted you know look at a guy right. we're talking way back when but kurt warner he was undrafted he was he was taken into right. the packers as a as a camp arm that means you're just an undrafted quarterback you come in we need extra guys to throw the balls to receivers and drills and we don't need you anymore we cut you you know there's a lot of players that yeah you know tom brady's a sixth round pick you know we, we can go on and on and i just think that Man, you know, at the end of the day, if we look at it, I think it really doesn't make a difference. I think it's just every one of these guys are great athletes and it's about the team fit and it's about how well you could stay in the league. It's easy, easy, quote unquote, easy to have a good year in the NFL, but it's really hard to stay good for a long time. We see a lot of players come in hot, looking really good and then just slowly deteriorating and then we forget about them. You know, so I think Dak
1: Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Zeke is still, you know, Zeke Elliott. Zeke's
1: still good, but Dak is. Dak
0: is—he's a field general. You know what I mean? This is a game manager. He's not. uh, But I mean, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had great rookie year. You know, okay, second year, and he's just been down, down, down. Now he's getting a better resurgence. But you know, it's it's impossible to tell really what's going to happen with a player. But in this year's first round, like the first round, when I'm looking at players like. Um, the five quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, these guys, like, if if Philip Lindsay is in consideration with these two for rookie of the year, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's just how well you play it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter where you get picked, right?
1: Nope, I agree with you 100%. And that would bring us to the end of our uh, newest segment, Does That Change Your Mind? I think that's a good way to end that, mm-hmm. actually. So... I I think that actually is going to wind us down. Uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about, any last last uh, last words you have, anything on your mind? Um,
0: God, no, I, I you know nothing specific. I think just to go Broncos is uh, is all I can really say. Three game win streak. Let's keep the momentum going.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. It's uh, it's definitely nice to see us on win streaks and seeing the locker room happy, seeing us actually happy when we're doing our. Uh, post-team interviews as well, post-game interviews. So it's definitely cool to watch, and we're excited to go into a beat-up San Francisco team and hopefully walk away with another win, call it four games in a row, and we'll see you guys right back here uh, next Thursday when we, when we do this again, and you guys can listen to us. Um, make sure you guys are following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the other stuff, um, and we'll go ahead and kick it off one last time with a... Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange, man. Orange, man. I'm riding orange, man.